0: Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are drowning in Disney's The Little Mermaid, one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. I'm Kestra Dorowski. Wrapping up this week, we are again joined by Brandon from the Fandom Podcast.
1: This is the last time you have to hear from me, I promise.
0: And until like the next time we have you on, but
1: well, I mean, probably I mean this movie, for this movie this week, you know, maybe yeah, I'll come okay. over to somebody's house. We'll see. Actually right <laughs> now we're going to nobody's house. So it doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah. We are discussing minute 25 of the little mermaid, which begins with Eric jumping out of the way of the falling mast. And it ends with scuttle flying down to the beach where Ariel and Eric are lying in the sand. It's so, so romantic and comfortable sand. It's so nice. Um definitely doesn't get everywhere.
2: I mean, it looks like soft sand, but yeah, it's going to get all know. all everywhere. I mm-hmm.
0: hate
1: sand. It gets everywhere.
0: <laughs> In this minute, Eric saves Max, but gets stuck on the ship. His foot falls through a board for a uh, really evident reason, because um, it wasn't <laughs> particularly on fire. The ship explodes with Eric still on board, and Ariel rescues Eric.
2: So Eric should have died with that explosion, right?
0: I mean, maybe he managed to get off. Like, we cut away. And everyone knows
1: if you cut away, then anything can happen.
2: Okay, but, like, it was a big explosion.
1: So, here's here's a thought that I just had. And it only comes because you mentioned that Eric fell through the ship for no apparent reason. Because the ship was fine right there. Yeah, I yeah, mean like that it was on fire, was but not, not there.
0: Super on fire. And he like breaks through a board.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So on this entire trip, nobody, nobody, had stepped on that spot of apparently rotted wood. Um <clears throat> so I'm trying to I'm trying to wonder, was this like some elaborate hoax or not hoax, but elaborate uh ploy to off the crown prince of where did we say this was Terulia? Uh so that somebody else could take control. Maybe, maybe Grimsby had a plan and there was, mm-hmm. maybe there was something of value that would allow him, like, some forged will or something like that making Grimsby the next crown prince. Uh,
2: but we I, don't even know if, if Eric <laughs> is the crown prince.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, Eric
0: is Prince Eric, but maybe not he's, crown prince
2: Eric? He's, he's 18 and the book I was reading said that he, he that all the siblings.
1: All the siblings. I so know. I don't know.
2: Well, like, okay, all just... right.
1: Well, that's 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 not the case. Then I was just trying to figure out how I mean, how, how I, to tie I, in the Grimsby and the statue and the falling through the ship for no apparent reason. The why, why are he really have sick spent of him. So
2: much money on a statue of a prince that he was
1: perfect going alibi.
2: Going to try it.
1: And...
0: It's a compliment. why would I spend money on somebody that I was trying to kill?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, hmm, hmm. I mean, if he hid something in there, if he was smuggling something in there, it would make a lot of sense. It's like, this is a very oh, expensive statue. I have to guard like it myself.
0: The statue, and that's and why that's it floated, why too. To rescue it. it is a hollow statue. It's not stone. It's plaster and it's hollow. There's something inside it. And that's what he was trying to rescue. It wasn't the statue. It was the. the, 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 the what is the term for something that's contained within something? The contents Contraband. That's what, the contents of the statue.
2: So, um, because
0: also, like the statue got washed off the ship. The ship is still upright. But, and so the statue didn't like tip over. It got washed off. So it oh, must be light enough.
2: But, but then when King Triton explodes it, shouldn't we have seen the contents within?
0: No, because he blew it up. <laughs> Again, the reason, the reason the per- it sank
1: was because there was a hole in the statue and water finally got into it. And it, whatever was inside of it must have been water-soluble. And, and then you blow up the statue. You know, that
0: kind of explains for how it blows up. Like you have like that nice chunk of Eric's face that's yes. preserved and, and all that sort of stuff. Like hollow, hollow statue theory. I'm, I'm
1: getting on board with this.
0: <laughs> oh, and, like, yes. Hollow statue society.
1: Kester's like, I regret <laughs> ever asking Brandon to be on this show.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like trying to play with like what could have been inside. Like, I don't want it to be drugs. Like that's the immediate thing. The that well, that, thing that, that, is like, that, oh, they're hiding the something, inside something. That's no, the it's boring. It's not drugs. Thing. Um, yeah, money? if it's money or something. But he
2: said he spent a lot of money on it, mm-hmm. so it could be filled with more money. More money.
0: Maybe is was he getting paid with by crassins. Glower Haven? Is he picking something up from Glower Haven? He's like, I just wish we had a more stable relationship with them so I can keep lining my pockets.
1: Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a perfect cover. It's a perfect cover. It's the front. Mm-hmm.
0: And it would have been really good for him if that relationship worked out, because then they'd be doing trips back and forth, and he could keep transporting the goods.
1: Whatever this contraband is. I, like, I think yeah. we need to explore this Whatever a little bit power more.
0: Even has that Tyrulia does not have that's the stuff. I'm liking it. I'm liking <laughs> All it.
1: All right. I apologize for this diversion, Kestra. <laughs> why, why, why don't you get us back on track?
2: Uh, let's talk about the score again. This wonderful score by Alan Menken. The great Alan Menken.
0: Like, like guys, he's pretty good.
2: He's wonderful. So as I was saying. Oh, by the
0: way, by the way, just this week, got winner, Alan Menken. Right. That was not the case last time we recorded. But yes, got winner alan Menken,
2: yes wonderful
0: with with multiple oscars i mean if list. the listener e- doesn't know exactly
1: <laughs> what an egot is what would that what would that be in entail
0: uh it means that he would have had to have won an emmy a grammy an oscar and a tony
1: right um, i mean i knew that so, i knew that
0: and so it, and there's only, only a handful. handful there's less than 20 there's a couple different lists that list a few different people and so we've got some questions <laughs> about that Castro was looking at it earlier but um Audrey Hepburn was the first one. I think. Um, and there's really not a lot, but like like the the Maybe Rogers Taylor. of Rogers and Hammerstein. Like, uh-huh. that's what we're dealing with is like top-notch people. John
2: Legend has one um, kind of randomly. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, and so um the Emmy means they did, you know, music for television in some way. The Grammy is music for music. You know, they had an album or a song or something. Uh, Oscar for music in movies and then Tony for music on Broadway. Um, and so, you, it's. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda does not have one, but he's most so likely close. will. He just needs the Oscar at this point.
1: I mean, um, is that why they released Hamilton on Disney Plus? I mean, he could have
0: gotten it when Moana came out, so he's, he's going to get it for a collaboration with Disney. I mean, he's collaborating with Alan Menken and, and- right now for the future Little Mermaid. And so I mean, and, I mean, he's if collaborating that's a with to get Disney it.
2: for, like, three different productions films, and yeah. films right and, uh, now. And, and then In the, the heights, heights is going to out. come out next summer. So, so he's got, got a good to chance. to come out this summer, but.
0: And, I mean, he he would be one of the youngest ones to get it. Um, yes. Alan Alan Mankin has a whole career um, to build up to it. And, and Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to be pretty young. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. For, for Lin. Um, but Alan Mankin, like, he got it. He got the the Emmy this year for the, something in the daytime Emmys. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but he, I mean, he's a fantastic composer has several Oscars. Um, I mean, uh, so Brandon, if you don't know that for, for little mermaid alone, he was nominated three times. He was, he got nominated against himself for songs in the little mermaid, two songs from the little mermaid <laughs> were nominated for best original song. And so he had like a 50, 50 chance of winning that category.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, but for the score, it was one of the early scoring for this film and also early scoring ever for Menken. Like He typically just did um, songs with lyrics often. Uh, but for scores, this was one of the earlier scoring for Mencken. And especially for animation, he was once told by a, a film composer that nobody takes an animation score seriously. Now that started to change in the last 30 years because of him, because of him, because of Alan Menken. But the film composer that told him to do that, or that told him that was like, so don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Um. But now he's just like, well, look at me now. Yeah,
0: Like he would be, I think one of the winningest composers. I think so. Um, and, and should be talked about in the same conversations as, um, as as the other big popular composers. It's just that all of his stuff has been essentially Disney animated films. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's done the score and the music for the songs
1: first. Yeah. A lot. For
0: several of them. Most of the Renaissance. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, and from what I'm, from what I've read about uh, Mencken, uh, Mencken and Ashman who wrote the, who, who, put it together right the, the little mermaid they yeah. were the ones who recommended using the concepts behind musical theater for the film and letting yeah. the songs yeah. define the character and and advance the action
2: we had worked on broadway shows together and other and other stuff together long-term How, collaboration they, yeah and howard ashman was one of alan minkins like best friends and they collaborated a lot
0: there's um Would They there do little shop of a... horrors I, I think, think so. so. I think they did. I can't
2: remember. exactly. Um, I think
0: that's what he got his Tony for. Um, was a little shop. Kester's going to look that up, but while she does that, I am, I'm also going to say that, um, coming up in, in Disney plus in, uh, well, it's probably up there by the time you're listening to this, frankly, um, almost guaranteed because we're, yeah,
1: it's definitely have up children there. The, and right? are recording we a podcast released. together.
0: And we haven't released any of this. Um, but there's a, a, a documentary on Disney plus, uh, called howard which is about the life of howard ashman and alan Macon is a significant part of the storytelling process for that there's going to be a lot of uh, information that's coming from alan because they had such a strong collaboration uh working together and and even now alan speaks so fondly about the impact that howard had had uh had on on everything howard was essentially a producer on or i think he he was literally a producer on the little mermaid um but had almost as much impact as either of the directors um because of how influential he was in the music and he was um really like officially the lyricist but he did a lot of music direction and and coaching and um support with with alan and when howard died um Alan kept working on Disney films, but he never had the same level of like ongoing collaboration with any of his other, uh, other people working Mm -hmm. on the lyrics of stuff. Um, And so we already recommend, even though we haven't seen it, we recommend the documentary about Howard Ashman so that you can see what an impact he had on frankly, really, really influential cultural content like, like the early Disney uh, renaissance
1: i tell you the those disney plus documentaries that are that they are putting out like i watched them and i'm like okay i know this is a disney production so they're going to paint disney in probably the best light possible but man they have access to anyone and everything and so yeah. like those documentaries they are all good i haven't seen it yet but i can still tell you it's good
0: imagineering story is amazing oh, that oh, one I, is... I,
1: I binged that first four episodes and was mad that they weren't all out yet
2: <laughs> yes um, yes, Little Shop of Hor- Horrors is what Alan Menken and Howard Ashman worked on together. Um,
0: did he win the Tony?
2: He did not. Oh, got um, it for something else. But there. lyrics won. Okay, not score.
0: And it, in case we haven't broken it down, let's hit some of the other things that that Alan Menken um wrote the music for. You know, besides Little Mermaid, um, he did music for Aladdin. He did music for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he did not do Jungle Book, and it this is going to be fun fact. Jungle book was being produced essentially by the B team of the animation studios. And so they didn't use the, the A team on um, music or, or anything. Pocahontas or not jungle book, Lion King.
2: (laughs) I was like, jungle. Kestra
0: looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, what did I say? (laughs) Not jungle book. Lion King um, was like the B team of animators and producers and, and directors and music um, because the A team was working on Pocahontas at that time. Because the studio thought that Pocahontas was going to be the really big success. And looking back on it, Lion King is probably the bigger success um, out of those two. Um,
1: I'm going to say not probably. It it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Alan did music for Hunchback. Alan did music for Newsies. What else has he got? Did you
2: say Beauty and the Beast? I
0: did say Beauty and the Beast.
2: Um, He did Tangled.
0: Okay, Tangled.
2: Uh he did several like more live action films, uh like Mirror Mirror, uh Home on the Range, Enchanted He
0: Then he Did he get an Oscar for Enchanted? Did did one of the Enchanted songs win my Oscar that year? He's He's got several awards, guys. And he's been doing this for a long time. And he's really good at it.
2: <laughs> and and now he's working on um,
0: the new um,
2: live action Little Mermaid.
0: Mm-hmm. They probably had him for the live action Beauty and the Beast. Um, at least consulting, if not, you know, full on. And, doing and it. he's
2: consulted for the musical productions of Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And, yeah, and the
0: Broadway stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, He... Don't see enchanted. So, Minkin won Best
1: Original Score Tony Award in 2012 for Newsies. Um, okay, so that was the Tony. I'm trying to that got
0: his Tony.
1: And we're, and we're looking. for... We're trying
0: to piece together his his full ego. You think um, you think well, somebody? Would I know put he got online. I know he got the Oscar for for Little Mermaid. So he, he's he's had the Oscar part of it since '89. Um, or I guess the Oscars would have been in '90. Um.
1: Well, I mean, he's got tons of Grammys, tons of them. Um, well, and
0: and Grammys is an award that I really don't know much about. Like, I think there's a lot of categories that aren't the big categories, and so they're not discussed the same way.
1: So, for his song, he got the for Beauty and the Beast. That was oh, that was a nominee. Where for that did not win. Um, album for children, The Little Mermaid, won a Grammy. Grammy. Um, Under the Sea a song that category was song written for visual medium uh beauty got and the beast. a grammy for that one yep beauty and the beast album got a grammy for the album for children uh beauty and the beast got soundtrack for visual itself it's gotta look awesome yeah uh, so it's just he, tons
2: he and howard worked on little shop of horrors but before that they worked on The musical production of the novel of the novel, God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, and that was in 1979. So they had been working for ten years together before before Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Well, Little Mermaid came out in 80 Or or they
0: had worked together ten years Mm -hmm. before. I don't know if they were consistently.
2: I mean, it seems pretty like pretty steady, pretty steady. Um, like they they worked on God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, Little Shop of Horrors. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space, uh, like it. It seems like it, they were pretty steady. like they may have had stuff in between these, but they were pretty steady because these were all mm-hmm. musicals on Broadway or Off Broadway. I'm not sure if they were on or off. Um. So this 1987,
0: has been-
2: he was not working with Howard in the Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, but then he was working with howard howard again in for little mermaid so
1: so i i think just... i think what we're seeing here and by the way his his emmy that he just recently won was for outstanding original song in a children's young adult or animated program and it was for waiting in the wings from rapunzel's tangled adventures uh but I, i'm just all this time that we're talking about alan Menken. he's i mean he's amazing and we've we've covered that a ton but I think it goes to show this point where okay the action's done this is the calm down moment. We have freaked out all of the kids in the theater. They're all terrified. And so now we need to have a minute where they just where everything calms down so the parents can say okay you can look again it's fine. Look, she saved him. They're all happy. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh having taken kids to movie theaters i know if you're listen, you're listening to this in the future and so it's like what's a movie theater what are communal <laughs> what are communal uh video watching parties i don't i don't get this <laughs> um but having taken children to movie theaters and having to calm them down during these scary disney scenes uh this this minute is an important minute for that experience
0: yeah and and the music can really signal that
1: yes it does
2: so i didn't finish my note that I was going to say. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. We We got got diverted
1: for the the Alan Menken appreciation hour.
2: Yes. (laughs) Um, But so I had talked about how the film composer had told him not to do it. The person that helped Alan Menken work on this score, because it was one of his earliest scoring, uh, possibly his early scoring, earliest scoring was the person who did the orchestration for, for the film. And his name is Thomas Pastieri. Don't know how if I'm saying it correctly, but um, he helped Makin learn the art of scoring, especially in this specific scene with all the like heaviness and then the like, calming down. It's just I, I love this this <laughs> one. I, I big
0: fan of this score.
2: big, big fan of this score.
0: <laughs> um, so I got a question. Yes. How heavy are Because so that's did, a tough catch. I did research. That seems like a big dog to catch. So
2: on average a uh, Is that
0: is that why did that is that what compromised the floorboards? Was Eric catching Max and that just kind of buckled the entire base of the ship?
2: I don't know. But I did research. Okay. So on average, a sheepdog gets to about twenty two inches tall. Tall. And they're between eighty and a hundred pounds.
0: That's a big catch, guys. So that is
2: a big catch, and you don't really see Eric like catching an eighty to a hundred pound weight so heavily, like.
0: That's a that's a tough catch.
2: That is a really big catch, and he's running with that in his arm, like.
0: And if he's wet, because it's yeah, been raining, he's got a, it's a lot of fur.
2: Yeah, and 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 the um momentum and everything of a a dog jumping feet up in the air and away from you i mean we
0: can start to do math but we're not going to do that
2: and then into F your arms like oh that that's a really really big catch
0: i i i think that's what that's what did in the floorboards
1: that makes sense between
0: that, that and grimsby's plot um <laughs> floorboards definitely compromised um I want to point out something based on my, my experience as a lifeguard. Ariel's technique underwater for rescuing, not the greatest. Very easy, and and so they don't, it's not what happens in this, but very easy from the way that she hooked his, his arm and his shoulder for his arm to pivot up and for him to slide out. So what you really want to do is reach under a shoulder and across to their other armpit, and that keeps them stable and it keeps them hooked even and and that way their arm doesn't you know flop and then they slide down so if you only grab under the one arm that arm could just slide up and then they slide out the other big advantage she has
2: atlantic in strength
0: well maybe she's really pinching his arm in her elbow (laughs) um that's fair but the other thing that um is a big advantage in the lifeguarding is the the red um Noodle <laughs> that they're all carrying. I don't have a better um, a better term for it. I can't remember <laughs> if if there is an official term for it. But that thing, when it's got the strap, so they are always wearing the strap around their shoulders, um, and then they've got the red, uh, you know, flotation device. And when you go deep um, to to rescue somebody, that's really critical for getting up efficiently. Because once you've grabbed them, it's really hard to generate a lot of force because you have to flutter kick instead of like really using your whole body in the, in the, the full body wave motion that we've already discussed this week. Um, and so you use that when you've reached across and under their, their second arm, then you are reaching and you have to do it with a specific arm, depending on which way you've oriented your, your strap. Um, and so for me, strap is from the left shoulder down to the right hip, which means I'm going to want to scoop under the armpit and around with my left arm so that I can reach up with my right arm and I know the strap is going to be up along my right arm because that's where it attaches, attached, you know, near the waist. So that's floating up. I grab that and I pull and I hand it down to my other hand and that pulls me and the extra person up. And so that, that whole motion, it's like pretty awesome when you get to practice it, you're like, Hey, this is like really working. This is effective. And it's way stronger and more effective than, uh, trying to kick, uh, your way up through the water because that's, if somebody's trying to drag you down and you're kicking, it's a lot of energy and you're holding your breath. Probably not a problem for Ariel. She's not holding her breath in this case, but still, it's tough.
1: <laughs> so uh just speaking of math, uh <laughs> 355.7 newtons of uh energy is what is what that would be. And I'm I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember the conversion to pounds. Uh, but I think that's about um, eighty. So I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's a, it's a heavy dog. It's a heavy dog.
0: Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough catch. Um, yeah, because Newton's is like pound. It's like weight in motion, force
1: kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's uh, kilogram meters per second per second. Oh goodness! So, yeah, it's been a while since I've done high school physics, so I could be wrong. I'm doing math on podcasts is always problematic.
0: And this is why you get guests on your podcast so they can share their expertise. <laughs> um, <laughs> High
1: school physics.
0: And so other question, but we've already established like the intense upper upper body strength of Atlanteans, but I still struggle to see how she got so far up the beach with Eric, because she would have had to be like holding the collar of his shirt and dragging tied. And then like, clawing with one hand and pulling herself forward and then dragging him up. But but the tide.
1: Yeah, The the storm happened at night and that scene was in the morning. And so So clearly she she was pulling a twilight and just watched him sleep.
0: Yeah. So they like, so with the tide, she kind of like floated in and then held him until the tide went out for several hours. She was
2: able to get as far up as she could so the tide wasn't pulling them out.
0: Yes. But But then then for the the tide tide to go out that far, that's like that's at least like forty-five minutes, right? I don't know a ton about time. Well, no, it,
1: it was it was light. Like, it, it was, was light outside hours. when it was light outside when she when they showed the beach. Right? I'm trying so to remember several hours. Yeah, so I sure. mean, she literally just sat there watching.
0: Then, because if somebody's unconscious for that many hours like that, you're going to guarantee like brain damage.
1: Well, I mean, have you seen exactly the rest of the movie? That? I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> If you've seen the rest of the movie, it
0: must be be some amount of time.
1: He literally, he literally said, "Hey, I like this girl's voice. I'm going to marry her." Oh, I like this girl's voice. I'm going to marry her. Like there might (laughs) be some brain damage there. It's very possible.
2: He also gets put under a spell.
1: Yeah, I hope he's okay. (laughs) I just wish after watching that because I had that same thought. I was like, "Wow, she's pretty far up that beach." And I thought to myself I just wish they had included the scene of her like either doing the worm and flopping back down to the water or like rolling around <laughs> trying to get back down to the water just to see how just to see the mechanics of that. I mean she if got... she's
0: got leg structure then she might be able to like do a spring. She can just if she can pivot the right angle then she can spring and jump into the water.
1: Inchworming it? She
2: she could have gotten help from animal friends. I don't
1: know. Her, come pull me out. Oh, no, you're stuck, too.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I was talking more like crabs or, or something.
1: She is a she Disney princess.
2: summoned a bunch
0: of crabs and they turned into a wave on the sand. I don't know how I can describe this in a way that might be vi- visually similar to anything. But it could definitely get something that otherwise would float on water to move. <laughs> Across (laughs) sand.
1: (laughs) Um, I just want to, I just want to something, another thought that I had, and I'm I'm sure Kestra's is bracing herself at this point uh, (laughs) for my random thoughts. So as our conversations have happened, is this the same as the story of uh, finding Nemo where you have a single father who, I, I mean, obviously something happened to Ariel's mom and he's doing the best that he can to protect his child and his child goes and swims up to the surface of the water to a Mm -hmm. boat. Mm -hmm. And then the story all goes on from there.
2: It's very similar. And I believe, I believe there's some
0: something there.
2: I believe Ariel's mother.
0: um, We feel pretty strongly about this. I think we've, we've talked about it before.
2: Athena is her name.
0: Yes. Killed by pirates.
2: Killed by pirates. I think, I don't know. I can't remember how we'll, we'll have to watch the, the, the third yes. movie.
0: And we 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 like specifically stipulate probably Captain Hook. Um because Triton specifically says like do you want to go up there and and end up dead on some fish eater's hook. And so there is there's enough around it to try and argue that Athena was killed by Captain Hook. And there there's like there's Peter Pan content that seems to indicate that Captain Hook hunts mermaids. Yeah, specifically. Um so that would be our suspicion. So you've got so an overprotective
1: head, dad not wanting his child to go up to the surface of the ocean to touch a boat.
2: I feel like I maybe have heard someone say say this thing same thing again before. What? That that Little Mermaid and and Finding, Finding Nemo are like really correlating. Yeah,
0: yeah, but from from the point where they come in contact with the boat, you get a lot of. Difference, right? There's no, there's no massive pursuit from the father. It's not the father's perspective. So that's where you really see a bunch of changes, yeah. but don't touch boats. If you thing's happen. Touch boat. If
2: you live in the ocean. That yes.
0: If you live in the ocean, touching boats is probably going to lead to trouble. Yeah. Sounds fair to me. Any, any final thoughts for these minutes this, this week, Brandon, your last chance in your entire life to say something about the little mermaid, you'll never get to talk about it to your daughter or anybody ever again.
1: <laughs> well, I do have to tell you one story about the little mermaid uh, just because this, this movie was one that was, that was formative in my life. Uh, when I was young, I remember seeing the commercials for it. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Cause I don't remember it in the theater. Maybe I did. My parents are going to be mad that I didn't remember the money they spent on that, but I don't remember it in the theater, but I do remember wanting it on VHS and wanting it really bad and i uh i was i think i was 4 or 5 at the time and uh i want i wanted this movie and i told my parents that i wanted it and my parents you know my, my parents are good people but we never had a lot of money right and uh so the y- young family and my parents were, didn't want to tell me no because they couldn't afford it but they also couldn't afford it and so they told me well if you save up the money for half of it, we will let you, ha- we will pay for the other half of this and we'll get you little mermaid. And so I thought, this is awesome. I can save up money for half of this. And I remember telling my grandma, my mom's mom, mom and dad are going to buy me this movie if I can save up half of it. And so I'm, I'm looking in couch cushions for pennies and stuff like that. <laughs> and my grandma thought this was terrible. She's like, that's She's, I'm sure she's thinking that there was child abuse, right? <laughs> and so what did she do? She found out how much the movie cost, and she gave me exactly half of the money. Oh, she, the she, she could have bought the entire movie. She could have just gone out and bought the movie and given me the movie. But she wanted to teach my parents a lesson. <laughs> and, and so she gave me half of the money so that my parents would then have to pay for the other half. And so... You know, this is one of the and I had my tonsils out shortly after that. And I just I watched this movie several times during that because I had it on VHS. That
0: really pays like pays for it.
1: You know, getting the
0: chance to watch it over and over again. I, I was really worried that this was gonna end up, and then I got it, and I watched it a couple times, and then something bad happened to it. But it's like, okay, well, he watched it several times with the tonsils out.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, like we got our money's worth out of it, but <laughs> but boy, my parents learned a lesson from that. Don't let don't let my grandma know when they're going halfsies on something with the grandkids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good story. Well, that's all we have for you today, listeners. We're part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at duelinggenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all the dueling genre productions. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DisMinute, on email at DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on, on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsels Group. And our guest, Brandon, for the last time, you can announce where you can be found.
1: You can find all my stuff on the social media platforms at FandomCast. I'm trying to get it most of it the, there, but if look for Fandom and FandomCast on Facebook, and we're there. FandomPodcast dot com. We we talk about all sorts of nerdy things. I'm thinking that at this point we need to do a princess bracket. And oh. Through and out which Disney princess is the princess of all princesses?
0: Well, and there's so many different ways to approach it. Are you doing like who's the most princessy? Is it is it like is it a grudge match? Are they fighting each other? What's happening? And
1: princess cage matches. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've mm-hmm. got so many options there.
2: Who has the best character growth? Who who's the best. Yeah, you could do something character. like
0: real like that too if you want. <laughs> <laughs> or who
1: would in a cage match? I think this, Andrew.
0: Um, all right. We uh we also want to point out and always express appreciation for Star Wars Minute who really uh really made the trend of movies by minutes uh, what it is today. And you can also check out uh moviesbyminutes.com so that you can see all of the movies that have movies by minutes podcasts, which is uh, it's Honestly, whatever we're saying in three years ago time, it is significantly more. We're probably approaching 200 at this point. Yeah, um, There's a lot of these podcasts out there. And many of them, I mean, we're well over 200 movies because many of these podcasts have covered multiple movies. Star Wars Minute is, is past nine movies. Um,
2: Lord of the Rings Minute's in their third. Yeah, third
0: of the trilogy. A lot of trilogies in there. So there's a lot of movies uh, to digest in this way. And until next time, listeners, thank you for making us part of your world.